if I don't do much, maybe I will start liking not doing much. And maybe I'll fall into that. And next thing you know, I won't be doing much. Whereas if I do it the other way, and, and I do plenty of things, and I, you know, throw my energy and my passion into it, well, I want to do more of that. And that keeps me active and busy. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. All right, so we've been talking about landing a remote job for a while now, but the one thing you're probably most curious about is how to learn the online skills you need to land these jobs. I'm not just talking about getting a brief introduction, but learning from actual accredited schools so you can be taken seriously when you apply for these jobs. You've been waiting for a while, and I'm really sorry about that, but I have finally created a whole page listing the best courses to take from teaching English online to becoming a freelance writer and so much more, all from trusted sources that will get you that remote job. So if you're ready and serious to take the next step, then visit theoffbeatlife.com slash learn online skills to get started. Again, you can visit theoffbeatlife.com slash learn online skills to get started. On this episode, I'm really excited to speak with Layla, who is a former journalist and diplomat who runs two popular travel websites at the age of 68. She is part French, part Turkish, and part Canadian, and now lives in Eastern France. So listen on to find out how Layla was able to find new purpose after retirement. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to speak with my guest today. I'm here with Layla. Hey Layla, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for you to be here. Before we recorded, I was talking to Layla about where she was and she's in France right now. So I am jealous because I'm sure it is beautiful there, springtime and all. So I'm just glad that you're here and we can vicariously live through you, Layla. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. I'll do my best. (laughs) So can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? Well, first of all, I have an offbeat background. I have three different nationalities. I'm French, I'm Turkish, and I'm Canadian, so a bit of everything. I've never lived in the country of my birth, which is France, but I've never lived here until almost retirement. So that's a little offbeat. And then I um, started working online at the age of 55. I'm now pushing 69, just to be perfectly open about this. But I started at 55. And um, the online tech world is really a young world. So uh, I sometimes feel like I'm the grandmother sitting, sitting around with all these very young people who seem to know what they're doing all the time. Whereas every time I do something, I have to really search and research it and relearn something new that I've been doing differently for 40 years. So that's it's a bit of a disconnect with my uh, between my professional life and the medium in which I work. Wow. I, and it's pretty incredible that you decided to do this after you retired and then to also move to France. Why did you decide to do that? Why did you decide to to go to France and have a completely different life? 
So it didn't exactly happen in that way. I was already working very near France. I was working in Switzerland, in Geneva, at the United Nations. So that's really over the border. It's, it's about 50 miles from where I live now. So it's, it wasn't far. But when retirement was coming around, at around 55, I started thinking about this and realized that I didn't have a plan. And I'm a Torian, which means I have to have a plan. If I don't have a plan, I fall apart. So I don't have to follow the plan afterwards, but I need to at least have it. So I thought, okay, what am I going to do once I retire? I have this job that keeps me busy 16 to 18 hours a day. Am I just going to sit in my garden? No, I don't think so. So I thought, okay, what could I do that is uh, that's useful and that would be fun? And I'd been wanting to write a book for a long time. I, um, around in my 40s at one point, I decided to quit my job, quit my life and take off around the world. And I was only going to travel for about six months, but then I ended up being gone almost four years. And so when I came back from that, um, I thought, okay, I need to write a book about this trip. Because in those days, a lot of women did not do that. They did not go off on their own. Now they do, but it wasn't like that then. And I was going to write this book and I didn't. (laughs) And time passed and I still didn't. And so finally, uh, about 14 years ago, I thought, well, you know, there's this online web thing. What's that all about? (laughs) So I started exploring um, what blogs were. were, Well, they weren't even blogs then. I started exploring websites and how could I turn my book into an online thing. And that's how I did it. So I ended up writing this website, which is now called a blog about uh, solo female travel for the over 50 crowd. And uh, that took the place of the book. So I didn't really, I mean, I did do a a brief book online, but I never tried to keep it up or to update it. I really enjoyed the online thing, the um, having the website. So I just stuck with it. And next thing you know, it grew and it became a very practical tool for women traveling. And, uh, and I stuck with it. And then what happened was when I retired, of course, being French, French, France is a normal place for me to live. Switzerland is hugely expensive. So it didn't even occur to me to stay in Switzerland. And I just move next door over the border. And that's how, that's why I'm retired in France. No special thing except proximity. (laughs) It was just the closest to you. And how, how are you liking it there? Was it obviously you've been there for, for a bit of time and you stayed there. So was that a great decision for you? Or are you thinking of moving somewhere different after? No, no, I'm going to stay here. But it's a strange thing because it's relatively rare that you are born in a country, but then leave it and don't know anything about it and then come back. So (laughs) I sound French, I have French papers. And sometimes I find myself in situations where I don't know how the country works because I didn't spend my life here. I spent my life in other countries, in Canada and in Spain and growing up all over the world, but never in France. So I only came here as quite a mature adult. And next thing you know, I have to ask the the silliest questions at the bank and the post office. And so I belong without belonging, which is a a sort of strange (laughs) feeling. So I feel a little bit out of place, but at the same time, I feel at home. It's an odd thing. And France is an unusual country. I mean, it's got the best and the worst of all worlds. So I don't think I would really want to live anywhere else if I didn't have to. I think I'm very happy here. I'm still learning the ropes, believe it or not. Here I am at my age learning the ropes of my own country. (laughs) I know it's so odd. 
But uh, it's a wonderful country to live in. And I know this from a lot of my foreign friends. There's uh, Fr- France is almost a microcosm of the world. I mean, there's everything here. It's a much bigger country than you'd think. And it's got different ecosystems, different cultures, different regions, different foods, different landscapes, different everything. So you, you can actually live in France and not have to leave the country because it's so varied. And when COVID struck and we were all stuck at home, (laughs) unable to leave, I thought, well, hang on a second. I have this online presence now and uh, I sort of know my way around online. And so I launched a new website called Offbeat France. And that was about France because I thought, okay, I can't travel out of the country, but I can certainly travel nearby in the country. And this has turned into my latest passion project. And so now I have this healthy, lively, and uh, very uh, time-consuming website called Offbeat France. And it's all about France off the beaten path. That is incredible that you have decided to do all of these different things. And you mentioned learning all of these tech stuff, you know, and you're older, you're retired, and you didn't just go off and start gardening that like you you mentioned, Leila, you wanted to do something more. And it seems like throughout your whole life, you've always had this very adventurous nature, you know, and it's just, it's not just now that you're doing this, you've been kind of been this type of offbeat person your your entire life. And now even at 69, you said 68, you're, you're still at it. And I'm just amazed by you. And I'm like, I'm going to, I, I want to be like Layla when, when I grow up. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think a lot of it is, first of all, there's the luck factor. I mean, I was just lucky. I was born relatively healthy. I was born in a family that was already kind of crazy and moved around and did a lot of nutty things when I grew up. So I had great role models for not staying between the lines. So luck definitely is is a factor. But also, I, I live with a lot of passion. I mean, I'm very passionate about things, about what I care about. So um, I can't, I would, you know, part of me would love to sit outside in the garden. Sometimes I go and I look at my weeds and I think, oh my God, <laughs> I need to deal with this. But then next thing you know, I'm back at my computer dealing with it completely differently. I'll take a picture of my weeds and post it on Instagram and say, I should be out there <laughs> gardening but instead I'm talking to you guys. So yeah, I think it's, um, I always thought, you know, when I was a lot younger and at university, I used to see these, what I considered elderly professors running around looking very youthful and energetic and because they hung around with young people and, and they did things that young people do. So I really believe that, that somehow the way you lead your life also makes a contribution to the age you feel. So I'm doing things that are more normally young things, and it makes me feel young. I mean, I suppose I could go and lie in my hammock, but I don't know how old I would feel if I did that. And when I say old, there's nothing wrong with the age. What I'm talking about is energy level, is, you know, if I don't do much, maybe I will start liking not doing much, and maybe I'll fall into that, and next thing you know, I won't be doing much. Whereas if I do it the other way and, and I do plenty of things and I, you know, throw my energy and my passion into it, well, I want to do more of that. And that keeps me active and busy and, and you know, it stops me worrying about the next birthday, actually. 
And you know, it's a really interesting concept that it's not about your age, it's it's how you feel and it's your energy and your drive to to do certain things because I've met people half your age, even younger, who is not as energetic as you and who doesn't have this drive to do all of these different things, Layla. And I think there's a lot of people that are already old, even though they're young, because they're too afraid to go out there and do something that they are not comfortable with. And there's, I think there's a lot of people that are like that, right? And I think there's a lot of fear or, um, you know, things that are just stopping you from doing something that you really want to do because of that fear that you have. And there's a lot of obstacles. And I'm sure you've come across that a lot, especially, you know, when you're traveling around. And it's just great to hear that a lot of the misconception that you have of of travel and once you get older doesn't really exist, you know, <laughs> as long as you're just, um, you have that spirit to, to keep doing it and that drive that, that you're going to do it as well. Absolutely. I completely agree. I, I think that taking aside the luck factor, the one that says that you're, you're, or the genetic factor, the one that says you're fortunate enough not to have a debilitating disease, taking that away, if you're a relatively healthy person, and you can get out there, there is no limit when it comes to age. You know, I remember many years ago, I, I was still a youthful 43 or 44 at the time. And I was, um, that's during that hiatus, the when I took those four years off and traveled around the world. I'll never forget waking up in a dorm room in Durban in South Africa. And there were it was one of those large dorm rooms where, you know, about 12 people piled in. And I woke up one morning to see a man getting dressed because <laughs> they were co-ed dorms. So people just sort of got dressed wherever they were. And I looked at this guy and I thought, my goodness, I wonder how old he is. And, and being the shy and retiring person that I am, I immediately asked him how old he was. And he looked at me and said, I am 82. And I thought, wow, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 82. And we started talking and he told me how he was traveling around Africa and he wanted to get to every country during his lifetime. And he was about halfway there, but he said, it's okay. I still have plenty of time. So I, I was just marveled by that. I mean, I thought, you know, 82, he's living in a dorm with a bunch of students who are a quarter of his age and he's traveling around Africa, which is not the easiest continent to travel around, you know, there's less transportation in some cases, and it's huge, and very diverse. And yet there he was doing it. And I was just flabbergasted. I thought, what a wonderful thing to do at your age. And you know, how, how great it is that you've actually taken that initiative, and that you're doing it. So I don't know what led him to that. But I just remember what he looked like. And I remember the sparkle in his eye, and the joy <laughs> he had of going to the next destination that he was headed to that day. So, you know, the barriers often are barriers that you built. I'm not denying that there are plenty of other barriers that are not your fault. You know, there's finance, there's health, there's uh, family um, obligations, there are plenty of barriers, absolutely. But then I see people who actually don't have barriers. And when yeah. they don't, they sometimes build them themselves because of what you were saying, that fear factor, the fear of the unknown, the what if, um, lack of confidence, and all those other things that come into making major decisions. 
So when that happens to you, Layla, when you have maybe these negative thoughts that come into your head and, you know, telling yourself maybe, well, this is really hard either because of my age or because of, you know, all the things I'm hearing, et cetera, what do you do in order to come out of that and just keep going with your initial intention? So that made the question made me laugh because I feel that way every time I'm about to have an exercise class. And then I can't do this. I am way too old. I should not be bending in that direction at all. I think, I think um, it's hard to say because first of all, I'm an optimistic person by nature. So I, I never, it never occurs to me that there is a no in the sentence. There's always a yes somewhere. So I'll go for, I'll look for the yes. Like, okay, maybe I can't do the whole thing, but what can I do? Which part of it can I do? Which little bit can I do? Or can I start it a different way? And can I work my way towards the center of this task, whatever that task may be? But it's very rare. I mean, maybe if somebody asked me to climb Mount Everest, I mean, at first I have vertigo. Second, <laughs> yes, I, I do have a certain age. And I've never climbed a hill, let alone a mountain. So, you know, that might be one of those hard no's. I can't do that. But what I might be able to do that's a little bit different is maybe I could take a hike in the valley and look at the mountain because it's so gorgeous and stunning from below. I mean, it's never an absolute negative. You know, there's always something you can do towards your task. And the fear is something that's quite complicated, but it can be dealt with. I have actually had to come to grips with fears and things that would stop me from doing things. For example, um, I, I, like I said, I have vertigo. So going into anything that's higher than a sixth floor is something that's really going to test me. I'm not very good at going into skyscrapers, mountains. I'm fine as long as I'm lying flat on my stomach and I'm not looking off the edge. So I, I really can't go into heights. So I went with a friend who practices EFT. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's emotional freedom technique. I think you call it tapping in the U.S., so um, she worked with me as we went up, up on one of these hills, and we did this a few times, and slowly, very slowly, my fear of heights started diminishing, and I started pushing myself to go to higher and higher places. So now I can, I can take a cable car and go up a mountain. I'm not liking it. <laughs> it's not something I'm going to enjoy, but I don't have to deny myself the fondue at the end of that trip in the mountaintop cafe simply because I'm too scared to go there. So that's just a minor example is when the fear strikes is can you do something about it or do you just let the fear take over and not do anything about it? And I'm not saying that you can do this in every situation because, you know, in some life and death situations, there is nothing you can do. But in an, in a, place where you can do something, where there is something you can do to control the fear, I think a lot of people will opt for not trying to control the fear and will instead maybe allow the fear to control them because it's easier, because it's a good excuse for not doing the thing that you really don't want to do because you're scared of doing it. So I don't know. I mean, I think pushing towards the solution is always an answer for me, is trying to make a move towards the positive resolution of whatever problem it is. That's worked for me anyways. Yeah, I think taking that 
step, like even if it's just a little bit at a, at a time is way better than just stopping yourself and not even knowing. Cause then that's where a lot of regrets start to happen looking back and wishing you had done something. And we don't want to live like that, right? In the long run, we want to at least take some risks. If you're absolutely risk adverse about a lot of things, just taking a little step at a time is usually the best thing. Now, I do want to know, Layla, how did you start having this mindset? Was there a tipping point for you where it kind of changed everything or was this how you grew up? How did this lead you to become this type of person where you're completely adventurous and you you do these types of thing, whatever age you are, whatever, um, you know, you kind of just go with the flow in, in that in that way? I think it's a bit of both. I think my upbringing was instrumental in making me the person that I am because I was very fortunately brought up in a household that did not differentiate between myself and my brother, that had absolutely no boundaries about what I could or could not do. I was always brought up to think whatever I want to do, I can. It's just a question of doing it and getting my act together and making a plan and getting on with it. So there was never, oh, you can't do that or you'll never be able to do this or that. That was, those words were never uttered in my household at all. And there was no sort of male, female differentiation either, which is surprising given that my father was a Turk, you know, yeah. so, I mean, Turkey is not the, the, the most modern and open-minded country in the world. So especially from his generation. So um, despite that, it was really helpful to have a family that allowed me to do that. Then of course, there was the, you know, the luck of the draw where I did get good jobs, which showed me and reinforced my self-confidence, showed me that, yes, I could actually do this. I could apply for this and get that job. So that, that's more luck than anything else. But perhaps what was the biggest turning point was this trip that I took in my 40s when I dropped everything and decided to, to travel without really knowing where I was going, because I had a really good job and I had the ideal life. And when I decided to leave all that behind, absolutely everyone thought I was crazy, except my mother. She was still alive at the time. And she was the only one who only raised one eyebrow instead of going sort of full eyebrow. <laughs> And she, she thought, okay, I suppose you know what you're doing. And if you really want to do this, then go for it. She had some misgivings, but I think they were more about, oh, my daughter is going to go away and I won't know how to reach her. It was more that kind of a misgiving. <laughs> and so being able to do that and taking that big leap changed my life. It absolutely gave me whatever confidence I lacked. And, and fair enough, I, I did not lack that much, but there were still many things <laughs> that I wouldn't have done, you know, things like, I don't know, I, I was always a little bit of a rule follower to a certain extent. And all of a sudden, I found out that I could break the rules and there, was, there wasn't going to be any horrible thing happening to me. As long as I remained respectful of other people and their boundaries, it would be okay. And being able to go away for all those years and, and learn all the lessons that I learned and come back, that, that really did change my life because I found out that I could be adaptable, which I didn't know about myself. I found out that I could face difficult situations, you know, almost being arrested, um, walking oh, through yeah. a minefield. I mean, things that, you know, I hadn't exactly planned for these things, but they happened as I was traveling and being able to go through these experiences and survive at the other end 
just reinforced my sense of self to no end. So sometimes what it takes is it takes having the experiences that are difficult and pushing the boundaries and saying, no, no, I, I actually can do this. You know, it's, it's only that monkey in my mind that tells me that I can't, but, but I really can without being ridiculous, of course. You know, you don't walk off the edge of a balcony thinking, I can fly. No, no, no. <laughs> but try and stay sensible about it. But things that are really within your control, there's often something that you can do. And that one trip where everybody told me it was going to be a disaster. You'll be home in three weeks. This is awful. Don't give up your apartment. Just sublet it. <laughs> Every possible argument. And when I came back, life was wonderful. I was very lucky. I did find another job. The things were different in those days. They were easier. I, you know, that is granted. But uh, it also made me feel that whatever happened in my life after that, I would be able to cope with it because I had learned all these coping mechanisms while I traveled of being in places where I didn't know how to order food or that I was stranded in the middle of a savanna with wild animals and no public transport and no human in sight. I mean, this, these situations, once you survive them, basically tell you that you can get through anything. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned a few things that I was like, oh my gosh, those, those are incredible. So I definitely want to hear about those. But I, I do have to point out that the way you, you talk about these situations, and I know you talk um, about luck and just being lucky, it's also really about your mindset too, Layla, because a lot of people most of the time, well, not a lot of people, some people, I would say, won't see that as luck, right? Because it, especially now in, in the time we're living in, there's just so much negativity and you often see more of the bad than the good. Even when things are happening really well in your life, you oftentimes will pinpoint to that negativity. The only Maybe it's only one thing that's negative and you will pinpoint to that and just keep focusing on it, right? And not see everything else that you're blessed with because of that one thing that's not perfect in your life. And I think that that is a really great reminder to just be grateful. And I think aside from just, you know, what you're saying, Layla, is luck is you're just a really grateful person person, I feel like. And you've gone through a lot of things, almost getting arrested, being stranded, all of these things. And you're still here. You're still doing it. You're still optimistic and you're still continuing even now. Um, and you still have this adventurous nature that a lot of people wish they have all the time as well. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it just blows me away to think it's a numbers game. You know, you, you have 10 things happening in your life. Nine of them are good. One of them is bad. And you're going to focus on the bad? <laughs> How sensible is that? <laughs> I'm sorry. But, you know, I would much rather focus on the nine that are good and build those up because that's going to give me good energy. If I focus on the bad one, what's going to happen? I'm going to get all sorts of bad energy. I'm going to be in a bad mood. I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to bark at people. I'm going to tell my dogs to shut up. I mean, I'm just going to be this nasty person nobody's going to want to be around. So why would I focus on that one bad thing when nine good ones are happening? Now, if it's reversed, if it's nine bad things and one good thing, yeah, I think that would be a little bit harder, but that's not usually the case, is it? It's as you were saying, you know, people have one bad thing happening to them and they focus on that. But that's a personal choice. That is a choice. Unless you are clinically depressed, in which case you don't have the choice. But if that is not your situation, then it is a personal choice. You can choose to focus on that negative thing, or you can choose to sit down and write a list 
like I said, I'm a Torian, therefore I do lists. They're even color coded. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I'll, I'll write out a list of the 10 great things, the 10 things that are happening to me, the nine, nine of them that are really great. And I'll look at the one that isn't great. I might even do something physical, like rip that one up symbolically and throw it away or something. But I'll look at the ones that are good and thinking, okay, how can I make these even better? And that will cancel out the bad one. So it really is a question of making the decision to be happy. I mean, I could equally yeah. make the decision to be miserable. It'd probably yep. be a lot easier. Mm. It's 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 true, right? Because you can just keep dwelling, keep dwelling, keep dwelling, and then you never get out of that. And it also it also changes you as a person. You know, the the way you look. If you're a miserable person all the time, it really ages your 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 physical appearance um, and also your disposition. Nobody wants to be around that type of energy most so of the true. time. And it's yeah. also the people that you attract towards you because negative people like being around negative people because they like talking about negative things. So if you're that type of person, it's definitely who you're attracting into your life as well. And it's it's just so interesting too for me when I when I see that type of attitude where it's just one thing that's not perfect but everything else is going really well and you are complaining about that. Meanwhile, you're ignoring the everything else that you're blessed with. But I also see that when things are finally, you know, for that person, finally it's not going well. Maybe there are nine things. They like you just don't know how to deal with the situation because when things are finally actually like seriously bad, uh, you don't know how to cope with it and you don't know how to stay optimistic and you don't know how to find the little things that you can um, maybe focus on so that not everything is so bad, even if it's just that one thing. So yeah, I think it's also just practice, right? Just practicing that and seeing the positivity even when you're in a negative situation and if you want to travel if you want to be adventurous, if you want to be in an unknown area or space or environment or just a situation, something is always going to come up that's not going to go your way. So, <laughs> so you have to be prepared for that. And, and honestly, I think that's really where the story is, you know, that's where the interesting part in your book <laughs> uh, starts happening. Not like, oh yeah, it's, it's a great day today. Awesome. <laughs> it's when you're given those challenges that your life becomes so much more interesting. Uh, and it's, it's a real story to tell. You know, th there is a trick that I learned because sometimes things do go badly. I've had the same dramas in my life as anyone has had. So sometimes there are terrible things. But one thing that I have learned is that if I just put one foot in front of the other and stay in the moment, it helps me get through. Because sometimes we are our own worst enemies. We sit here and we dwell on the worst possible outcome. I had someone close to me in my family who was near death for a while. And that person was in hospital. And it was a very, very trying time because we were very close. And I was really scared. I was petrified. And I kept thinking about oh my God, what if? And then I stopped and I said, no, no, I can't do that because if I do that, I will throw myself off a balcony or something. So instead of doing that, I thought, okay, what can I do in this moment, this right now, what's happening right now? And sometimes it would be something as silly as, oh, 
do the dishes. Okay, I will walk to the sink and I will do the dishes. And then it was, oh, I have to go buy some groceries, go out, buy groceries. And step by step, the day would pass and I would get to the evening and somehow I would be able to more or less sleep. And then the morning would start and it would go over and over again. But that didn't take away what was happening. All it did was allow me to continue living in spite of the situation and to put one foot forward in front of the other and continue to function. And sometimes when bad things happen to us, we lose that ability to function. And that's really scary because all of a sudden we are dwelling in this huge bubble of awful pain. And yet, you know, we need to break free of that because life around us continues. We still have to eat. We may have a family to feed. We may have a job to go to, all sorts of obligations that pile up and still have to be met. So that's my way of coping with things is simply to reduce the sphere of time and space around me to that one moment and just think, okay, what is the one thing I have to do right now? And do that. And then next one, what is the one thing I have to do after that? And do that. And that step by step, baby steps, as you say, that was the, the name of a movie a long time ago, baby steps, <laughs> one by one, you get through the day, and then through the night, and then through the next day, and so on. Yeah. And, and that's all. Sometimes that's all that you can do. You know, there's, especially, you know, with what you had gone through, Layla, it's a hard thing. You're, you're faced with something that is unimaginable. And a lot of us have gone through that. And sometimes you just don't know at that moment when that hits you or when it happens, how you're actually going to keep going forward. But yeah, just taking it one step at a time, even, you know, like you mentioned, doing the mundane things, things that you would just normally do every day is, you know, focusing on that after another. And that's how you keep going. And, and it's, it's, pretty helpful when when you can push yourself to to go towards that when uh when things just hit the wall and you don't know what what you're doing and it's it's really hard but I love that I I love that tip that that you just gave us Layla and you know it's good to have those things sometimes (laughs) so now that you have gone through all of these things, let's look forward to 10 years from now and you're looking back at everything that you have done. You've done massive things with your life. What would you want your legacy to be and what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, gosh. I think I'd like to be remembered as someone who is there to help when needed I'd like to be remembered as a good and loyal friend, someone you could count on, and someone who did no harm or who did as little harm as possible. I'd like to think that my stay on this planet is linked to doing more good than bad. And also, I think that that's a it's a good way to live. It's not even a question of legacy. It's everyday life. I see so much negativity, whether it's, you know, personal or in politics or so much bent on destruction. You know, let's, let's see how we can hurt the other person. Let's see how we can be better than the other person by putting them down, all that stuff. And to me, that's a horrible, horrible way to live. And if I can do a lot of the things that I do, and if I can feel optimistic and be happy about life, it's precisely because I lead my life from that positive standpoint. I don't look at, you know, how can I get even? How can I get revenge? All those negative things, I don't touch those. I don't go near that. 
What I'm about it is more, okay, well, what can I do to make this a better situation? Sometimes I can't do anything. Then I move on to the next situation. But I do try. And I think that's what I'd like to leave behind is the feeling that, uh, wow, you know, you could always count on her. She was always there for you. She was basically a good person. And she left the world just a very little better than she found it. I think that would be a wonderful legacy. I think so, too. I think that's a great legacy. And just being a good person and doing as much as you can with what you have is is really one of those things that all of us can can manage, right? All of us can do. And um, if you can keep doing that and just remember or be remembered as that person, I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, now, now that's, the, that, that's the more sort of emotional, psychological thing. But there are some practical things that I would like to do also. For example, I've always wanted to write a novel. I've never had time to do that. And, and somewhere in me, I think, I, I don't know how good I'd be because sometimes I lack imagination. <laughs> so I'm not sure I'd be very good at that creative kind of stuff, but I certainly like to try. So one of these days I'm going to try and find the time and I'm going to write a novel. So th there are things like that that I still would like to accomplish. They're not part of a legacy, but they are part of some dreams that I still have because yes, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be 69 very soon. And I still have tons of dreams. I mean, I, I hope I can, um, I hope I can, you know, reach them, but I still have plenty. Yeah. Now we're gonna like, you know, since you brought that up, Layla, now we're going to be pushing me like, Layla, where's that novel? You talked about it. <laughs> uh oh. Okay. <laughs> Shut up, Layla. <laughs> we're, now we're going to be like, okay, you're going to do this because you've always wanted to do that. So we're, we're going to push you towards it. But I love that. Well, Thank you so much, Layla, for joining us today. I love hearing your story. Thank you for sharing that with us. If our listeners want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Um, well, they can usually find me on Instagram. That's where I hang out at um, Offbeat France. So that, that account is about France, but that's okay. I'm perfectly happy to talk about anything else too. So you can find me there or on my website at offbeatfrance.com. Those are the easiest places to find me. Or I could add Facebook, and I'm offbeat France there too. I mean, really, there's a theme here, right? <laughs> that's, where you, that's, that's where you can find me. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Layla. We really appreciate you for being here. Thank you so much for asking me. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Layla. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to listen to more episodes. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing, to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey and I can't wait to hear how your location independent story will unfold.